expression of power than the words Allahu Akbar, God is great, when carried on a morning breeze across empty countryside. But in Peshawar, there were more muezzins than he could count, and their calls became an unruly conversation, one voice trumping another in a war above the rooftops. Cats yowling over turf. Or perhaps Najib was turning into an infidel, a worldly backslider. A kafir, as his father's Pashtun tribesmen would have said. Life never seemed half so holy now as it once had. And in a country where not only a man's calling, but also his marriage were generally set in stone by age eighteen, Najib was still a work in progress at twenty-seven. As a boy, he'd roamed a wonderland of extremes, a rural princeling at play among bearded, turbaned men with rifles slung on their backs, all of whom owed their allegiance to his father. After breakfast, he might sprint barefoot through the dew of waist-high poppies, dodging marauding boys from the village with slingshots round their necks. As the sun climbed higher, he sought the refuge of high defiles to watch smuggler parades of camels and horses, tea-time caravans swaying and clanking through the passes. Then, off to bed on the veranda of his father's hujera, the men's guest house, where he gazed up at stars so icy bright that it seemed they might pierce his skull. Pleasantly weary, he stretched on a rope bed, eavesdropping on his father's guests and supplicants, smoky, piratical gatherings in the Hujera's great room, with hubble-bubble hookahs and high-caliber bandoliers, lulling him to sleep with the streamside murmur of their mutter and growl, and the whine and hum of their radio, beaming news from the great beyond. Occasionally a burst of laughter or angry shout shouldered into his dreams, But by morning, there was only him and the muezzin beneath another clear sky. Yet that world also had its special cloaking magic. It was a place where one learned quickly to conceal thoughts and dreams, and from his earliest years, Najib's elders taught him to hold in his emotions, sheathing them like a weapon. At the age of eighteen, he abruptly left behind that world, dispatched across the seas to a university in the United States. It was his father's idea, a vain stab at worldliness to impress a few haughty ministers in the government corridors of Islamabad. Najib went reluctantly, and for months he held himself sternly under wraps, bookish and brooding through a North Carolina winter amid airless dreams of the Khyber. Then came the spring, and Najib emerged timidly from underground. He began sampling the bounty of bright new places that soon made home seem small, plain, and crude. There were supermarkets as big as his village, libraries the size of canyons, lush trees alive with blossom and songbirds. Then there were the women— practically naked compared with the ones he'd grown up with. They were a temptation, he knew. Yet there was a holiness about them, too, 
as if heaven and hell had been rolled into one amazing creation of bare arms, exposed legs, and lustrous heads of hair, their animated faces open to the world and all its possibilities. They soon became responsible for an altogether new kind of training in Najib's life. Tell us your feelings, they demanded. Share your thoughts. Having been exposed to Shakespeare in the same heady spring, Najib found himself torn in ways he had never anticipated. To feel or not to feel, that was the question. And now, years after his homecoming, he was not only restless, but trapped. Banished from tribal lands by his father, barred from America by consular officials. His father's action had followed a betrayal which Najib no longer cared to revisit. The consular ban was of a more recent vintage. The United States had decided the previous month that it no longer...